All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Moscow Mules and Knob Slides. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. I'm David. Kyle, Kyle, do you know what number we're on yet? Did you forget? Uh, I think we're 35. That's pretty good. 35. I think we're at 30, 35 or 36, 35. Well, it's good to, good to see you out here it's, again. It's uh, one, one, one day. We'll be, I think we'll be in person soon, but uh, the special guest of the week is Philip. How you doing, Philip? Good. How are you guys doing? It's an honor to be on your show. Appreciate it. Appreciate it is an honor to on. have you. Thanks. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a pleasure to have you on. And um, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll give the spin out to everybody listening. If you might be just jumping into Philip's episode for the first time, I haven't done this in a while. So I think it's good to interject. But we just is a podcast where we talk with cybersecurity professionals, technical professionals in the field, anybody uh, over some drinks, whatever the drinks are of the day. And then we talk about them uh, for a period of time, hear about their past, their experiences, things they're passionate about, things they're working on. I think that's pretty much. I like hearing advice. I like the uh, I like the advice that people give out because you know your your experiences are always different than mine, and you know maybe I want to do something that you've done already. Give me some advice. <laughs> that's right. But uh, as a special guest of the week, Philip, uh, what are you sipping on this fine fine evening? That's uh, night. Just some just some spring water. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't drink anymore. I quit drinking years ago. When I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, I quit drinking. So I, I'm limited pretty much to, to unsweet tea, water, and that sort of thing. A Diet Coke sometimes. <laughs> As a health nut, that's like my two favorite things to drink when I'm not oh, drinking alcohol. Oh, man, unsweetened iced tea, you can't give me enough of it. Yeah. Do you, do you make your own or do you get it out of like the, uh, I don't know, do you go to the bottled item section and just buy like i don't know i guess i guess arizona tea is not really unsweetened but yeah lipton's kinda, you get some lipton's the for me i like i'll make i'll make my own but i go to the places and get the fresh brewed iced tea i don't like the bottled stuff and it's a real pet peeve of mine to go in these places and you've got like iced tea on tap and that's just crappy you know you want to do that give instant coffee to your your customers so why don't you give people that stuff so anyone that likes tea you know, you're really not going to like that stuff. So <laughs> I hate going into like, like the, the sheets. So we have a gas station chain up here, like sheets or get go, or, you know, whatever your gas station is. And like, I want an iced tea for like a three hour drive. Right. Cause it's not coffee time. So I'm going in for an iced tea. And then like, all I get it, like they have a fountain and yeah. the fountain is nest tea, like raspberry sweetened tea. And I'm like, more like nasty. Corn, corn syrup and some more. God, it's more like it. nasty. tea. it's true it is like it's not good like i don't want that so then i'll go to the bottled section i'll grab like uh man there's one that has like a really good black tea um it's just like a black tea herbal tea that's unsweetened that's like the only thing that i can really get my mom used to make that like sun tea where you get all the tea bags and you put them in a big like jar and you just put it out in the sun and you just let what the sun do this do this do its thing and it like is that tea. a thing yeah yep. it's called, i think it's called sun tea i know philip you're, you're a tea expert today <laughs> yeah i've i've actually had sun tea i mean i remember that back that's something during a long time because i'm i'm not too young and i remember that even as a kid but yeah people would take like their gallon glass jars put some tea bags in it and some water and just set it outside and you're you know, just like brew. open top fermenting your uh your nah, tea you bags? Put like, lid on the top <laughs> <laughs> oh, you put a lid on. Okay. Yeah, lid on. <laughs> I think the sun warms it up enough to help the yeah. tea bag seep. You know what I mean? And and it, I remember it being pretty good. I've never seen. I've I've heard of like I don't know what was that thing in the collapsible container. That's like the closest thing I can think of when I was a kid. Like someone dumping powder in a in a water thing, and then it turns Kool-Aid. into another drink. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe Kool Aid. No, 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 the other one. What was the? What was the, uh, not Tang? Was it Tang? What was the one? The collapsible jug. So I'm know. doing this like it's gonna make my brain work. Oh, tang. Like I don't know. Maybe Tang <laughs> might have been Tang. Yeah, it was like an accordion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, uh, accordion drink. Someone will tell me on Google. Yeah, Someone will tell. Sounds weird. It's probably. I mean, that's, I mean, beyond purple. It was called purple. Sorry. Purple. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. This must be a Western Pennsylvania thing. I never heard of burple. Oh man, y'all gonna give it that burple? Like, so burple. you have to have the lid on your your sun tea, or you might get some extra protein in there. Uh huh. That's what I was worried about. Like, I don't know. I've done like the boil boil water and dump some Lipton packets in it, and then scoop those out, and then dump the the other you know your concoction into a you know gallon pitcher and stick that in the fridge. But same same sticking, process. Sticking for- stuff out in the sun. I don't know. I don't yeah. trust that. You don't trust Mother Earth. Get some vitamin D in it, at least. Yeah. See, as long as you got sealed, you really don't have any problems. But something else that's kind of thinking on the subject of tea and places making bad tea or something. <laughs> uh, one of my morning breakfast spots, they've kind of surprised me a couple of times. I'd go in and get tea. You know, there's times that they accidentally give me sweet tea instead, and I get that return. But there's been a couple of times I've went in there, and they, the brewer they use to brew the tea with, they also make coffee. And I've had a couple times that they forgot to change out the thing or they put coffee in it too. And you go take a drink and that's a surprise because you don't even, ex- you know, the occasional accidental sweet tea, you might understand, but when you get that coffee tea mixture, it's just kind of a, kind of a big surprise. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You, I mean like driving through McDonald's, this happened to me actually like, like a week and a half ago when I asked for an unsweetened iced tea and I'm, you know, you're very deliberate because I don't, I don't like sugar in my stuff unless I ask for it. But like, so it's like unsweetened iced tea and then you pull away without taking that first straw sip and you're like, Oh no. Yes. I gotta, I guess I gotta deal with this. Uh, but this is not that bad. I mean, look, I don't know. I'm not being a diabetic. I can, I can handle it. I don't like it. I don't want it, but you know, I'm not going to go. I used to love it. I used, I used to drink sweet tea a lot, but just, you know, being diabetic and stuff. I mean, even there for a while being diabetic, I didn't cut out sweet tea and sodas for a while. And then I did cut it out. And so I really don't even like sweet tea anymore. You go somewhere and you accidentally get it. I mean, it's like if I had my choice between sweet tea or nothing or just water, I would rather have the water. That happened with me with milk. I switched off of milk and I went to uh, almond milk, unsweetened almond milk. And then like, if I run out of it, God forbid at my house and I need it in the morning with like a, I don't know, my, my protein shake or whatever. And you take a sip of milk. It just tastes like the sweetest sugary water thing that i could imagine and i don't remember being that way when i was a kid or like anytime i because i drank milk all my life up until about like 10 years ago man make you big and strong it does supposed to (laughs) i mean my kids like it that's good i mean we drank milk as a kid whole milk like my my dad still drinks whole milk to this day which i think is some people think that's so gross but like he's done it his whole life it's always in the fridge yeah, <laughs> my, my parents are the same way. I mean, they would probably buy it from the milkman if the milkman still showed up at their door. I'm sure. I'm sure. My parents had the that. milkman door on our my, like parents' house has it still. Like it's nailed shut now. But like where you put the milk in and like you know, was it like a what, you like a mail slot for milk? Yeah, you would, the milkman would put the bottle in and it had a, it was like a two way door. I just remember like we'd lock what? ourselves out, and I remember shoving my sister through there one time. They like. Let us <laughs> <laughs> just like we were kids right was it was it bigger than like a dog door no it's probably like Ooh. 14 inches by 14 inches oh that's a tight squeeze yeah but my, you know when you're a kid and your sister was small it's probably like one of the first time my parents probably let us stay home alone they probably regretted that one 
So she probably doesn't like milk because of that, huh? Right, probably. <laughs> She's definitely a burple drinker. I know. But there's some there's some uh, irony there too because you look at the milk jugs or the milk cartons got the missing kids on it, then you're trying to shove your sister out through the milk. <laughs> <door>. the, the, <laughs> the irony in there. That, one. that was that was the peak of it. That was like in the '90s, right? Like that's when the kids were on. Like they put people on milk jugs. Like <laughs> now it's just it's memes. Me. Makes me think of an old bumper sticker. I used to be a bouncer in this nightclub. And we had a, a sticker, or either actually, I was telling the owner that, that I saw the sticker. It was pretty funny. It said, uh, happiness is seeing your boss's face on the on a milk jug or something like that. Milk carton. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you a bouncer? Now I got I, now I gotta get into yeah, this. I was See, a we're not even gonna open back our beers in the, yet. Back in the back in the late 80s, because I was uh, I was a professional wrestler back then wait this is so awesome. i didn't i didn't wrestle full-time so i worked as a bouncer that my you know my full-time job was a bouncer and then i would you know wrestle so that's so yeah. <laughs> awesome did you have so, like a mask like did they know who it was at the bounce like the door like did anyone i'm sure it was like an independent circuit sort of thing and you were like nah, you know. it, was, it was actually a, a a big a big deal because uh the first wrestling federation i was in was the nwa or the wcw Oh Rick yeah, Flair and all those dudes. Yeah, they oh, just shit. acquired. They just acquired the uh, the UW the UWF or no, yeah, UWF. They just acquired them because that's where uh, Sting came over from. Sting came over. They uh, uh, let's see, uh, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, and a lot of those guys were in that federation, and the WCW acquired them, and so that's when I started wrestling. The first night I wrestled, I wrestled the Road Warriors. Oh no! Yeah. Also, who used to be the Legion of Doom in the WWE? Yeah, uh-huh. the Legion of Doom. Yeah, so I wrestled the Midnight Express. I think it was that same night. I wrestled both of them. They're doing television tapings, and sometimes they'll do multiple matches for several different television segments. That's... Did you ever? Did you ever wrestle Ric Flair? Like, did you ever? Like, no, I actually a, met him. I did talk a to chop him. from him. What's that? You ever, you never <laughs> took a chop from him to the chest? Nah, I I, I kind of talked to him when I was getting. It. He was there at the same time, but I didn't wrestle him. But I wrestled uh, the Freebirds, you know, Michael, Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts, all three of them, except for Terry Gordy, the other Freebird. So, uh, yeah, I wrestled the Road Warriors my, the first night I wrestled and the Midnight Express. I wrestled the Rock and Roll Express. Probably one of the mo- most famous people I wrestled was was Mick Foley. He oh, get out of here. Yeah. No way. <laughs> he wrestled as Cactus Jack in Dallas. Uh-huh. So that was, yeah. Holy cow. Wait, wait a minute. So wait, what was your wrestling name? I just wanted to feel Wiley because you have to lose all the time. And I wasn't going to ruin my gimmick because, you know, if you go out there using your gimmick and you're getting beat up all the time, it just doesn't look good. And it's funny how this stuff works. Cause there's only like a, I never got out of that losing all the time. I got married and got out of it. Uh-huh. But there was the one time when people, you know, when you're, you have to lose all the time, you get booed, you didn't do anything wrong, but you get booed when you go to the ring. Sometimes the people really don't care about the, what they refer to as the jobbers. Yeah. The job. I was going to say like, yeah. would you, would you consider yourself a jobber? Yeah. That's what yeah. I, exactly. Brooklyn so I was, I was going there you get booed. No one, it wasn't really a big deal, but then I was wrestling uh, Eric Embry one time and Eric Embry turned from bad guy to good. So he went from, from a heel to a baby face as they called it in the industry. And he turned good, and so we were in the in the ring. Jack Jack Victory and uh, I'm trying to think who else escapes me. The other wrestler were tag teamers, and they came in and jumped Eric Embry, and I go to help him, and I get beat up. So for weeks after that, everyone claps when I come to the ring because you know I help one of the, <laughs> yeah. one of the stars. You know? <laughs> that's, that's, 
this is see this is the best thing about the podcast is we go on these random tangents that we uh, this is this is amazing <laughs> eventually we're gonna get to like info second like book writing stuff but like i could literally talk about <laughs> wrestling I could talk for about, hours yeah. oh my but, god <laughs> i wasn't allowed to watch as a kid but i would sneak over like at my cousin's house or other friends houses and do it right it was so good <laughs> yeah. well then you'd wrestle right you'd beat the hell out of each other and your parents would get all pissed off you're right I went, to, I went to wrestling school at the undertaker oh yeah yep man i can't believe that, that guy finally hung it up i was like i can't either He's like, he's like a little bit older than me. He's maybe, I don't think he's quite a year older, but we're pretty close to the same age. Same as Mark, Steve Mark Austin, Jacobs, dude. right? Mark, was it Mark Jacobs? No. What's uh, his name? Mark, Mark, Mark. Mark I'm something. Think of his Whatever name now. But yeah, he. Uh, he still yeah, looks he, pretty good, man. I don't yeah. know. A lot of those guys are holding those dudes up. dudes take a beating. I don't know how they did that because back then going to wrestling school and just wrestling after you get out of those out, out, you know, from wrestling or whatever, you're just beat up and sore. And I don't know how people do that into their 50s. And He's then like Steve Austin. Like, oh hell, even Ric Flair, he was going into like his 70s. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he wouldn't give it up. It's actually kind of funny with Steve Flair how he's end up in a couple rap songs. This what is the one? one song. There's a couple, there's one rap song that came out several years ago called The Nature Boy. And yeah. Ric Flair actually showed up on one of the on like Jimmy Fallon or something. They had this little ring built, and Ric Flair was in there in his robe and stuff. And the guy was <laughs> rapping. And then Ric Flair would go, woo! Woo! That wasn't a Wu Tang song, though, right? Nah, he's like the king of the crap talkers. He's the one that really kind of, you know, was the one that invented all that or really uh, perfected, I guess you'd say. He's good. Yeah, he's so good. He's still good. Man, that's an awesome. That is unbelievable. That is one of the most unexpected things I think yes. that's ever happened uh, so far. Thirty whatever episodes, and that was. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about it all day. I'd love to. But I mean, we we'll, we're gonna have to. You know, we'll get to the table it too. We'll to do that some other time. Yeah, oh, please. for sure. And in, in person, maybe. Dave, why, why, don't take, why don't you take oh. it over? What are you what are you sipping on? Uh so I was I'm not going too fancy, surprisingly. I mean, was, which is good. I mean, because like I didn't want to, you know, uh, I'm I'm glad that you know spring is here finally. Uh, but I'm I'm just gonna crush some natter days, my favorite oh. drink. I, I had a couple in the shower and uh we're just gonna power through the natter days. Man. So the Natter Days, if nobody knows, I, is one of my like guilty pleasure beers. It's by uh, Anheuser-Busch. It's not like anything super spectacular. It's not crafty. It's not expensive, but it's basically a Natty Light uh, with a strawberry lemonade flavor to it. And it is quite possibly one of my favorite. And he puts an umbrella <laughs> in his drink every time he drinks it. Yeah, it's fancy. And I have a, a Natter Days glass that I found on the internet. It's, uh, it says, no flocks given. <laughs> from Pora Vida, and that's because the uh the, the can has a bunch of pink flamingos on it so oh, cool i'm gonna have to try i'm gonna have to check this out because you drink, keep drinking these and like i don't think i think i've had one i might have thought it was even too sweet it probably is it's it's sweet but like it's spring and it was nice out i don't know it was like 70 degrees up here in pennsylvania phil i don't know where you are but like this is the warmest weather we've had in probably at least 20 months yeah i'm in the dallas area Oh, all right. Everybody's in Texas. That's the other thing about the podcast, right? We talked to so many people from Texas or like, yeah, we've had at know, least with three on. And I think that that's, belt area that's uh that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm okay with Texas, whatever. I don't care where you are as long as you're here. <laughs> so that's right. So it's, it, it's clear as uh, urine um, <laughs> and it tastes way better. They're also coming out with a new flavor, pineapple, pineapple, something. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to like that one as much as this, but interesting cheers kyle over to you while i cheers my, well my i'm day. i'm drinking um i had 
my wife brought this back from Ohio when she went up to see her family and uh, from the brewing project. And I saved one because it was like so good. It's probably one of the best smoothie sours, but this is called a smoothie sour. And it's basically a sour ale with blackberry plum and raspberry. It's like as thick as jam in a juice or in a, a thick as jam, like in texture. It's so good. Um, but this is one of these new glasses released from uh, Kiefer Glassware, which David, you got me on, hooked on them. But this is their one they called Flash, which I'm not sure why they call it, but it's all American traditional uh, tattoo art. Oh, yeah. I like that one. I didn't get it. Uh, and uh, I love it. Uh, well, and I'm getting, doing this because I, I actually just put out uh, uh, my deposit down to get my first tattoo here in June. Oh, yeah? From, from a guy local in Pittsburgh who does neo-traditional, not American traditional, but he does neo-traditional tattooing. So what are you going to get? I'm going to get an Oni on my upper arm. So like a half sleeve. An Oni is a Japanese, considered a Japanese demon, but it is a spirit now. And it's, they're actually more considered like sort of the, um, you would compare it to a gargoyle. It's used for protection. They usually lead the parades in uh, Japan and sometimes they're outside of uh, temples and things like that. And they're meant to scare, they're, they're a demon, but they're a good demon to ward off and provide good luck. Dude, that thing is terrifying looking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did a Google search. O-N-I, right? Yep. O-N-I? O-N-I. Holy crap. So I'm excited. Uh, this guy has really good artwork. Um, I'm a very visual person. So like, that's why it's taken me this long in my life to get my first tattoo because nothing ever looked as good. So I'll, I'll never get one because my dad told me he would kill me and my dad's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> and I still listen to my dad. <laughs> uh, if you ever come home with a tattoo, I'll beat your ass. <laughs> dad, 37, leave me alone. <laughs> they're, my, they're my son's names. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Look, dad, it's their footprint. Isn't that cute? <laughs> their birthday. Yeah, he'd probably offer to give you another footprint somewhere yeah, else, right? Oh, I'm sure he would. <laughs> give you a permanent one up your backside. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly how your dad talks to. My dad doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. That's all right. You know, the cool thing, uh, I don't mean to like like jump right off your beer train. I hope, I hope your beer is really good. But the cool thing about Philip uh, being here tonight is that he's one of the people that keeps popping into my timeline. And I don't, I didn't follow up until like, you know, 20 minutes ago, I didn't follow him. But like, he's he, like, Philip just shows up. Him and this other guy, the B-Sides Bandit, who I think we have to talk to. That guy is just, his energy is just oh, off. BSD off. bandit. BSD bandit. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's just off the charts. He's that guy, awesome. I got to talk to him. We have to figure out how to talk to him. But Philip is the other guy that like, he just showed up like yesterday. Something about pancakes. There, there's a pancake thing and there's Philip's face just right by the pancakes. You gave the uh, keynote to at PancakeCon. Correct. Yeah, right. That was my first keynote. So I watched it. I actually watched it and I didn't know that this was actually who were, I don't do any research on anything. I don't read. I try not to just stay away from the internet right the internet's not really a good place for me so uh i watch videos i love videos and in the villa the the philip video showed up and i was like oh that's that's cool i want to i want to see about this and then yeah actually i work with leslie not on the specific on my team but she's on a different team but yeah this is our third year or second year doing pancake con first or, second uh, second year can yeah. someone tell me about pancake con because i i'm still not clear on what pancake con is you yeah, it's out. an interesting format. You get the talks, they're 40 minute talks, they're split into two 20 minute talks. One is something technical, and the other is like a hobby or some interest of yours. So, mine, I did, you know, I'm interested in health 
you know, diet and exercise and that sort of thing. So my second half of my talk was health hacking. I covered some stuff on intermittent fasting and, and diet and, you know, that sort of thing. Someone else, there was someone showing how to build shelves and all sorts. It was really cool. It was interesting. That is the thing cool. is, you know, I get kind of ADD sometimes and I'm watching conference talks after I've seen a couple <laughs> of, I'm kind of saturated and I'm done with it. I'm yep. out in the lobby talking to people, but this was kind of cool, you know, cause 20 minutes is about the mark before if it's technical and it's not interesting, you know, before you really start getting bored or whatever, then they would switch over to something technical. Some dude gave a talk on, on fabrics and I had no kind of clue. I thought like, angora that you had to kill the rabbits to get the angora but found out you don't which that makes me kind of happy because i like rabbits <laughs> i'm gonna have to go back and watch some of these I'll, I'll be fair that i i did not get a chance to watch it and i i think i knew that that was somewhat the format to do hobbies but i didn't realize it was like you did both of it which i think is actually kind of cool that's a really cool approach and it is because right that's why ted talks are 18 minutes in length because that's the average attention span of adult human right mm -hmm. it's like, so i think that's actually i mean that's a great concept that's the same thing like i was wondering like why why does he start talking about, like i love health stuff like i was right in there i was like i don't know why he's talking about this but i really like it so that was the whole form you're the one you're the only one that i saw but it was yeah it that was, was super cool kind of it inspired me because of the pandemic you know a lot of people either took on bad habits or good habits and i'm the kind of person that you know eating can be emotional for me so if i'm really depressed or things are not going well i don't care what i eat and i eat whatever and eat a lot of it and oh yeah so i didn't want to gain weight back and so i ended up losing weight instead so i kind of figured that would be something people could relate to and possibly help someone okay i have two i have two questions off of this and then we can okay. obviously jump more so can you like so can you dive in a little bit of the intermediate fasting because this is something that was interesting that obviously you know came on everybody's radar what within the last five years sort of ish right i'm just putting a number on it that yeah. i think it came into you know common knowledge presence but it's something that i've been doing like ever since i was like four like in high school like 14 that i would never eat breakfast right so i'd eat yeah. dinner I never ate breakfast until I never ate again until noon because like, I always felt like crap in the morning. Right. Like I just always, yeah. you know, so is there, is there actually a way that like intermediate fasting doesn't work for people like me who's done it their whole life. Right. Like that's why like I've intermediate fast every day. Like, and I still do to this day. I don't, I rarely eat breakfast, but actually I started trying to eat a little more now because I'm working out more that I think I wasn't getting enough calories to like sustain my, you know, uh, workout days or whatever. Is that sort of a, is that a, a fallacy I'm making up that it doesn't work for people that always do it because obviously your body's used to you doing it, right? Anytime you do anything for a certain amount of time, it quits working. So with diet, you have to like adjust your calories or something, maybe reduce. I, I, I see even a lot of these bodybuilders that will say not to stick eating the same way for two weeks. You know, your body gets used to it because our bodies are, are made to survive. So fat storage is, is really not a bad thing. It was really, we have an abundance of food, so it's easy to overeat and get fat. So really when you feel bad about overeating or getting heavy, it's really just human nature because back, you know, millions of thousands or millions of years ago, whatever, you know, food could be scarce. So you ate when you had a chance, you'd stock up, eat a lot of food because you may go a, a long period without food. So yeah, intermittent fasting, I think will work for most people. Some people don't have much, you know, some people don't have success with it, but I think it's a matter of adjusting that. So everyone just to front, put the record straight, everyone intermittent fasts because there's, you know, some point you're not eating. If you eat all the time, you're awake when you sleep, you're fasting. So that's why it's intermittent. It's not continuous. And one of the interesting things about that is they, they did a study on centurions, people that lived to be a hundred years older. And one of the things that was 
the same across all of them is their insulin levels were low. And so insulin, too much insulin can age your body. It can make you fat. Insulin's a fat storing hormone. So if you're constantly eating, you're getting fat. And you look at like since the like 1980s and stuff, there was a couple things that happened back then. It really kind of screwed people up for a while diet wise was this idea that fat's bad for you and everyone went low, low uh -huh. fat. So when they did that, they added sugar instead. So you get salad dressing, you have to remove the fat, you remove the oil, so you're putting more sugar in it. So people are kind of eating more sugar, you know, carbs can be addictive. And so people got in that low fat state of mind. And then people said several small meals a day is better than two or three large meals. And people started eating more frequently. So people are eating in between. So your insulin's constantly spiked. You're constantly gaining fat. So there's no time. And so that's really where the, and it's interesting in this documentary, I saw they were showing people that just quit eating after like 5 PM and ate according to their circadian, circadian rhythms and quit eat, didn't eat at night and lost weight and even reverse diabetes. Wow. But there's different ways of doing it. So if you're not really making gains on it, maybe just cleaning up the type of food you're eating, you know, maybe cut back on the the fat or carbs or something or both. I, th yeah. I think there's a, there's also like the, you know, there's not one universal body out there. Right. So no, like yeah. not, you know, the thing that works for me is might not work for you. And yeah. you, know, you just kind of, kind of have to play with it and figure out what it is. And, and just like your point uh, earlier saying that you got to switch it up for your body. I was in a, a, a routine where it was oatmeal, yogurt. It was a salad. It was fruit. Like I had it, I had it all down to like the, the hour. Like it was, if I wasn't eating, like my body was starving and I needed to have those things the certain day. And then I felt great. But then after a while, like it just started to like plateau out. Uh, and now I don't, I don't really eat that much anymore. It's just like, I have coffee. I get like, if I start to get like low blood sugar, I feel like I'm going to like pass out, not pass out, but like if I, if I don't feel well, I'll go like grab some like chocolate covered almonds. I'll throw yeah. a couple of those back. I'll get like a piece of fruit maybe. And then I'm good for the day. Like I don't eat as much as I used to. And I don't think I need to. So intermittent fasting, I think is a good thing. I think yeah. people need to do it. And if it doesn't work for you, you know, switch it off. Right. The, the way you're eating is the way people should eat. Mm -hmm. Only eat when you're hungry and, and, you know, don't constantly eat because we've kind of, we've, you know, programmed our bodies to eat. Like, even if you're not eating multiple meals a day, you're at least eating three to three meals a day. So a lot of times people find themselves it's lunchtime. You're not hungry, but you eat anyway. Dinner oh, yeah. time comes, you eat just because that's a routine. You do that all the time. Yeah. It's breakfast right. time. I think I should have a pop tart. I'm yeah. not hungry for pop tarts, but I'm going to eat two of them yeah. and they're going to be yeah. delicious. <laughs> and you mentioned eating the same things over and over again. One of the things I've kind of learned from health is there's some sports nutrition specialist they'll say if you eat the same kind of protein and this goes for a lot of foods if you eat something too often for so long you can end up getting allergic to it oh no kidding I've heard allergies that. towards it so protein a lot of these different professionals will say to rotate rotate out your protein sources so if you've been eating whey for a long time you know switch it out you know and really whey protein you should really save for post-workout because it helps with the uh you know gaining muscle and stuff so you really should use that after you eat after you work out so See, I, I could spend like a whole thing talking about this because I've I've, <laughs> I've 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 fallen into like the the the, uh, the plateau the 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 cave of like I've tried to eat less and eat when I'm hungry now is what I've switched to recently and but like I work out really hard sometimes like I do jujitsu so I'm like I'm consistently working out super hard but I got that whoop band to like see how hard I'm working out and like I look at my comparison to like my buddies that have it and you're like how are you like at this like rate? Like, I feel like we both were like working just as hard. And like, it's like either, either I'm not working as hard as them or my body is just like, 
adjusting better. It's just, it's frustrating because like I've been at the same weight for uh, like two years now I'm at healthier. I'm stronger like at the weight, but it's just like that weird, like I'm stuck. And it's like, what do I need to change to do it? You know what I mean? It's probably cause I'm not eating clean as I could be. Right. I always like to say I eat like 75% clean. Right. You yeah. Know? And I think that 25% of not eating clean, it kills me. So here you are drinking jelly beer. Hey, I, I haven't <laughs> drank all week. I've been trying to cut yeah, back on drinking yeah, too, it's, right? Because that's tough. one thing with the pandemic for a while. Like you, Philip, you were saying like bad habits. You're like, yeah. well, it's Tuesday. It's a day that ends in Y and we're, yeah. you can't go anywhere. I guess I'll crack open a beer, right? Or it's just you know. different things we use to cope. Some people it's food. Some people, you know, just not saying people, everyone's going to turn alcoholic for drinking, but you know, there's times you, and plus with the pandemic, you're not driving as much, you know, you're, so there's, you know, less reason not to drink, you know? <laughs> yep. So, so great. let me ask you this. So let's, I, I guess, try to pivot you, not pivot you, but in particular, <laughs> but like your, how did you find your health during pandemic because you look busy like it looks like i'm looking at your your twitter bio at the top here you looks like you got a lot of stuff going on how do you find time to like work out and like maintain your own healthy habits like what have you done uh to kind of promote your own health for me workouts i have to do in the morning because all the you know podcasts conferences speaking at different for you know different conferences and different uh you know cyber security organizations a lot of stuff's in the evening plus teaching at Dallas college. So I have to work out in the mornings or I don't get, you know, then I've kind of really got to where over the years in IT and security, I had to do that because a lot of times you're at work, something comes up, you're stuck late and you're going to miss uh-huh. your workout. So the really the only time I can do it is in the mornings. And then walking is kind of one of the things I did over the pandemic that kind of helped, you know, for a while, I was at a very stressful job. And one of the ways to cope was going for, for walks at night because my gym was closed for like a couple months, maybe mm-hmm. two months, three months because of the pandemic. So I didn't have any place to work out. So walking, I mean, I up losing weight, you know, at the first part of the pandemic and, you know, I kind of gained weight and lost it back. So I'm down about 20 pounds Holy shit. from where I started. But the biggest thing exercise helped me is just walking, you know, walking almost on a daily basis. And a lot of times it was at night because in Texas, it gets too hot to walk during yeah. the daytime. Cause you try to go at lunch. Sometimes it's 90 nineties or hundreds and <laughs> sun blazing down on you. So we'd walk at night and it was kind of, kind of relaxing because at night you see the different wildlife, you know, even though we're right in the city, you know, we'd see owls at night. We saw coyotes a couple of times, uh, but we've seen owls more common. We saw owls and then you'd see like these baby frogs and, these rabbits and stuff at night. It was just really kind of relaxing, enjoying nature. And you just, it really took your mind off stuff is almost like meditation in a sense. So it really was good for my mental health. So yeah, forward to it. but like, yeah, fitting it in is, is, you know, you yeah, got to find it works for you, right? It's, and then for it, the walking schedule, that was easy because uh, my wife's an avid cyclist. So she's riding, you know, after work. Yeah. Last year she rode like, I forget how many weeks it was now is like, 30 consecutive weeks that she rode hundred mile bike rides on Saturdays Ooh. or something. So okay. when she get home in the evenings, it would be late. <laughs> so it'd be eight or nine o'clock that we go for a walk. So that's kind of how that worked out. Oh man. You all sound busy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and as far as like competitive stuff, I haven't competed since competed since uh, 2019 because of the pandemic, I was going to compete last year, but I compete in powerlifting still. Well, I would be competing if, if it was safe, some of these federations and, are still having powerlifting meets, but until things get a little safer, 
I had my second COVID vaccination today. So once hey, things get right. safer, I'll go back and compete again. But so yeah, we we stay pretty busy physically and her more physically. She's she just can't stand still. But yeah, me as far as uh, conferences and education related stuff, I stay pretty busy with that. Yeah, and it's important, I think. And I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't want to just you know beat on this point, but I, I think given that we're we're rocking, you know, clearly over a year of this, so like if if you're not doing things for yourself, you need to start or like, you know. Uh, figure out how to make something work for you. Like find a friend, find a coworker, a neighbor, or, or somebody, and just you know go breathe some fresh air. Go go do something a little bit different somewhere, right? Yeah, you got to you got to work on yourself too. Yeah, like definitely. Guys. The mental health thing is so important, even outside of the exercising of that. Just the mental health aspect. I mean, burnout is a thing. It's a, it's a consistent. I think every Slack group everybody's in now. There's a burnout channel, right? Like to yeah. talk about stuff. I've seen a lot lately, and I mean, I burn out hardcore in 2017. I remember it like just trying to teach and do that course development and work in and things like that, and trying to do everything else. I remember burning out pretty bad. But I think like all that's great. My wife and I just got uh, rollerblades because I was like, I'm not a runner. I, I, you know, I do jujitsu, so like if I had to stand still and like defend myself, I can. Yeah. So like I was like, I need to do some type of other like activity <laughs> that involves moving. And that like kind of plays into skiing a little bit because you know, skiing was I had zero ski days this year. So uh rollerblading is the way to go. I think Philip could probably teach you how to like pile drive somebody if you really wanted <laughs> I'm to. I'm sure he could. Oh, my favorite move back in the day, although I didn't get to do it much because of uh how to lose, but I did wrestle once. I did wrestle some other independent <laughs> things that to get practice and and Seek of the Wild Samoan had a wrestling school in Pensacola, Florida, and he put on wrestling matches. And I don't know if you guys ever knew who uh, Hardcore Bob Holly was. Oh, yeah, Hardcore Holly. Yeah. yeah, when we were both getting started out, before we were making money wrestling, I wrestled him there. And one of my favorite moves back then was the press slam or the gorilla slam. And so you would, like, press him up over your head. And the funny thing was, I used to get so psyched up at those during those wrestling matches, especially when I came out to my music. Music really gets me psyched. So I'm in power up to meets or in the gym. Certain songs really get me psyched up. And so I was wrestling him. And, and usually the way all those moves work is when you body slam someone, you jump for them so they can body slam you. So, and all that stuff, I was, you know, back in probably the peak of my strongness back then because I was like 260 and like 10% body fat back then. Oof. And, and he was amazed afterwards because we were back in the locker. He says, man, I didn't even have to help you because I just like picked him up and I'd, put him over my head that's awesome and slammed him. <laughs> the gorilla slam <laughs> you don't do a lot of wrestling nowadays nah yeah i've calmed down a lot more since a little, little bit more like uh, a little bit more book, book writing huh yeah also during that time i wrestled a bear so i used to do right, wrestling crazy, crazy stuff i take a lot less risk nowadays <laughs> see that's the thing i like about this podcast is that like we we have a goal right we had a goal that we're just gonna chat about like maybe i don't know what what philip does for you know infosec and here we are it's like i'm having a beer with him at a bar and we're just we're just shooting the shit about the time we all used to wrestle bear wrestle a bear <laughs> that's a ride to talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, hold on a second. How do you wrestle a bear? So kind of was mentioned being a bouncer in a nightclub. Uh, the nightclub I worked at, we had bands there on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. But it wasn't where they didn't really make their money back if they paid for a band on Sundays because there wasn't that many people coming out. So they have different special events. And so they brought this wrestling bear in. And since I was, you know, I worked at the nightclub, a local guy in the town 
and was a wrestler. So they took pictures of the bear, one of my wrestling promotion pictures and put them all up around town to promote this thing. It was open to anyone to wrestle, but they thought if they advertised, I was going to wrestle this bear that people would show up for it. So it was open to everyone and other people wrestled the bear, but actually ended up doing the best against the bear. Everyone else, he, he actually swept their legs. He would, you know, I have to show you the picture sometime, but he sits there, takes his front paws and he'll take people's legs out from under him. <laughs> and so if you see, see the picture of me, he's got his, one of his upper arms or front legs, a hold of my leg trying to take me down. But when I saw these other guys going down, I got like into a lineman stance, a football stance or wrestling stance, got my legs back and got down low. So he couldn't take me down, but it was a 750 pound bear. Would you call that a fancy bear or a cozy bear? <laughs> that was definitely electric bear. <laughs> it was berserk electric bear. bear. It's probably berserk bear, right? More <laughs> That's so good. But uh, sp- speaking of books, though, like uh, I did see that you published a book recently. Published? You didn't publish it. You wrote a book that was published recently. You want to talk about that a little bit? I said, yeah. Pen, pen testers. Uh, mine. Blueprint. Blueprint. That's right. Yeah. It's uh, that book actually came out of my lectures at Dallas college. When I first started teaching in 2018, my very first lecture class was to tell students about pen testing and how to become a pen tester. And the other professors at the college would ask me to come talk to their security students about pen testing. And then by November of 2018, I turned it to a used, turned it to a conference talk and gave it to B-Sides DFW, the local B-Sides conference in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then I started giving it several places since then. And probably one of the more interesting times I've actually had in Houston at HUSECCON in 2019, I actually had Jason Street in there listening to my talk. But uh, so uh, I was in the Tribe of Hackers Red Team book and Wiley Publishing saw that I'd posted on LinkedIn about being in the book. And Jim Minitel from uh, Wiley Publishing asked me if I was interested in writing a book. And I thought about for a while turning that talk into a book because there's lots of books out there on pen testing, but no one tells you what you need to know up front. And so I just really saw the need for that. And so they taught, they asked me if I was interested. I wrote a book proposal and then got a contract on the book. And they got published towards the end of November last year, end of October. I mean, it came out e- ebook, but. But it's, how, uh, how did you well. find the process of, of writing that book? It, was, it wasn't too bad. And, but uh, it's interesting, though, because I started out with a contract. It was just me writing the book. It was my concept. But one of the things I found was with all the things I had going on, I was busy and it was hard to get the book done. And when I write, it's straight to the point. I'm not going to do all this flowery writing and, you know, I'm not like a novelist or something. So it was hard for me to try to get close to 200 pages. I got so much done. I laid out everything people needed to know, but I just wasn't coming up with anything else. And, you know, I was getting ideas from the publisher. You could try to do this and and all this. And I thought more and more about it. I thought, well, I could go the self-publish route, publish it the way it is, get it out there because I want people to have the information. That was the main thing. I really didn't care about making the money. It was more the selfish reasons was to help myself professionally, but it was Uh mainly to help other people. So I thought I could, I could self-publish, but I thought, you know, I, I've told her when I got a contract for a book and if I self-publish, it's kind of copying out. And I really don't know that it really would have been that big deal, but I had, I wanted to go ahead and finish with, so I knew I either self-publish, don't write or get someone to help me. And so I knew Kim Crawley from, from InfoSec Twitter. And, you know, cause I'd asked her advice on platforms to write for, 
you know, articles like Medium or either like, uh, or Peerlist, which one she, you know, recommended because she's writing professionally, you know, blogs for different companies. And so I asked her, you know, questions over the years. And then I started thinking, I actually reached out to two different people and, and wasn't even thinking and slipped my mind about Kim. And I thought, you know, Kim has an IT background. She writes security articles, so she'd be perfect. And so I asked her back last April, is she'd be interesting, interested in helping me write the book. She said, sure, uh, we could have this thing done by like the middle of July or so. Oh man. Uh, worst case. And so she got writing on it. Had all that free time nowadays. <laughs> so yeah, what worked out good is since she had the writing background. So editing and working with the publisher, going back to cool. doing the edits, she was a good writer to begin with. So there wasn't like a ton of edits. I mean, there were some recommendations on their part, but there was still some back and forth, but I'm really, really glad I did it. You know, there's times I thought, you know, I really wish that I hadn't even said this and I kept my mouth shut and just didn't do it, but it's, it's been helping a lot of people because one of the things I found is every time I gave the talk at a conference or some other cybersecurity meetup, you know, it was motivating people, helping people get started. Even some experienced pen testers said that they got some good from the book. So I'm really glad that I did it. Oh, that, 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 that's not the conversation of like, oh man, you should totally write a book. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm totally going to do that someday. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing professionally to do. I mean, it's, you- it's been very helpful. Did, did you find it like stressful at times? Like, I know you said that yeah. it was, it was, uh, you know, there were times where you're like, ah, I don't know if I should really be doing this, but like, were you kind of burnt out, stressed out about writing books? Cause I, I, I don't want to misquote Justin Sites. Yeah. We, we talked to him once yeah. and I think his phrase was it fucking sucked. I could it, be I wrong. Was, yeah, <laughs> there, I was, there were days. <laughs> I don't think that's the misquote. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I was, I was kind of burnt out with it. It was hard to finish. And you know, like I said, if I, if I hadn't opened my big mouth and I had that contract, if no one knew about it, there's, there's probably a good chance that I would have just self-published and just put something out there on Amazon or, or like a blog not, post yeah. even, right? Just for free, yeah. just here Just put go. something out there. But, you know, part of what dr- drove it was wanting to get the information out there, out there to the people. But yeah, it was tough. And, and honestly, I don't know when it, the book would have been finished if Kim didn't help me or, you know, they, the, the publisher may have just finally said, dude, you're not going to finish this. Well, we're going to, you know, we're just going to pass on you. So, mm-hmm. Guys, we're kind of talking about pre-podcasts that I had experienced starting to write a book and it wasn't as enjoyable. I mean, I think the goals were the same as like, I wish I didn't open my, or like I think experience was the same. I wish I didn't open my mouth. I'm kind of glad I did. And then my experience is a little different because it didn't pan out the way it was. But I think there was definitely like a period of time where like, this is kind of cool because like now your name is going to live on forever in like the library of congress in the united states like someone can go and check out your book and like it has a number like that's that was like what was driving me in the beginning like this is like has nothing to do with like it's getting the content out there but like this is going to live on forever potentially you know and that's that's a cool aspect of it to think that it's gonna outlive you for you know ever yeah it kind of kind of your legacy and one of the things i looked at when i started teaching and all that and started started Pwn School, which is a, a cybersecurity meetup that I run that I started because of uh, teaching. I looked at all that stuff before I started teaching, man. I had, I had no legacy. You know, I had my powerlifting career and my very short-lived wrestling career, but that was really nothing. I thought, what am I leaving behind? And my wife does a lot of volunteer type stuff. She teaches ESL. Uh, she was actually teaching ESL for this church program. They decided they were done with it. They were going to quit, but they said, you can still use one of our rooms to teach the class. So she started a nonprofit and was helping a lot of these immigrants learn English and really 
you know, there was times that they were trying to come across coyotes were trying to help them and they just kind of left them for dead. And they got across and these students of my wife's would reach out to her. Hey, you know, my sister's got some medical problems. Can you help her out? Cause they're not wanting to go to the hospital because they don't want to get deported and just kind of see how she is helping people and that legacy legacy she had. And I thought, you know, if I died today, it wouldn't be long. No one would remember me. And so doing all these things is you're kind of building your legacy. And I think that's really what everyone needs to do when they're thinking about the things they do. Think about how you're going to be, how do you want to be remembered? I mean, not to say everyone wants to be or has to be famous, but just, you know, how do you want to be remembered? I mean, there's something about being famous. You don't have to do that, but who wants to be insignificant and just be a blip on the radar that no one misses when you're gone, you know? Oh man, you just, you just crushed me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me drink my beer. Hey, your publisher, was your publisher Wiley Publishing? Yes. What, what, what kind of nepotism are you, you involved in over here? The name is spelled different, but the funny, the irony of that is my name is spelled W-Y-L-I-E, but over the years, people have misspelled my name that same way as the publisher. Oh, the oh, my, God. oh my gosh. Was that a little bit of more of a drive to write, to, to get this through them? We're like, Hey, listen, I'm going to differentiate myself. I'm finally, I'm finally going to show you. Yeah. What I should have done is got some stickers with the way my name is spelled, go to all the bookstores and put it over, over their name. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, Cause I saw it in the front cover in the, in the uh, you know, the, the lower right-hand corner. I'm looking at it. I'm like, that's not his name. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It must be a publisher. I don't read. So there's the other <laughs> That's a big thing for you. So you say you started like pwn school. Like what, what is that? Like more, obviously, obviously in the land. Of yeah. What's interesting. How that kind of, how that kind of started out is my first semester teaching at Dallas colleges, Richland college back then. But a lot of my students, there was, that was the only offensive security class they offered was my ethical hacking class and they wanted to learn more. So that's the only class we offered. So I was like thinking about just getting together with the students, meeting up somewhere and teaching them things. And, you know, that thought was in the back of my mind. And then the spring semester was getting ready to start. There were two people that were also fellow members of Dallas Hackers Association that were going to school at another community college. And they, the college, to take it credit, you'd have to transfer and all this stuff. So they had to file their transcripts and all this. They couldn't get in my class, you know, because it was too close to the time for class to start. And I was really disappointed because they were really a couple really sweet kids, really nice, wanting to learn, really well-liked, good people. And I was disappointed when they didn't get in there. So I thought, I'm going to come up with a way to educate people that you don't have to register for class. Anyway, it's available yeah. to anyone for free. And so I started these meetups. So I started like July of, of 2018. Uh, we, we met two different locations. We actually met in Dallas and then Denton, Texas, where I was born and raised and grew up. You know, I know some guys there in the security industry. It's like 30 miles north of Dallas. They didn't have any kind of uh, community there at all. Since it's my hometown and I knew some people there, I thought, you know, I, maybe I should do a second meeting there. And so I started meetings there. It, at first, it was all pretty much offensive security topics. And then I kind of saw the need for other cybersecurity topics. People wanting to learn to be SOC analysts. Not everyone wanted to be red team. And a lot of people just to get your foot in the door, you, you may not start out as red team or a pen tester. So we started, you know, having people do talks on being a SOC analyst, you know, digital forensics, all sorts of stuff. And 2019, February 2019, because I started streaming my class on Zoom, I started offering the Dallas Pwn School meetings through Zoom. So when the pandemic hit, actually the, the month before lockdown, uh, the restaurant we've been having our meetings at closed unexpectedly without warning. One of my 
members happened to see it. So we had to go completely uh, virtual that, that February. Then the next month, things were locked down in March. So it was all virtual since then. We run two meetings virtual. Uh, we post the videos up on on YouTube, I've actually had Tinker Sec was one of the one of the speakers there. Sweet. Uh, I actually had a special one last year since you know people weren't able to go to Dallas Hackers and they don't do anything virtual. I did like a little panel with uh, Whiskey Neon and Wirefall, the founder, and yep. and Tinker Sec. And so these are all up on YouTube because I want to be able to offer it to you know a wider range of people. Not everyone is able, you know, people in other countries can't attend, so they can watch the YouTube videos and stuff. So. That's kind of where that where that came from. How how do you how do you advise people on like sock analysts? I don't know. Like there there's a big difference in a job description between like a pen tester and a sock analyst, right? So how how have you lived those lives, or do you know people in those things, or is it is it is it kind of like a crossover skill set that you're aware of? Because I don't know. I didn't do any of that stuff. I'm a reverse engineer. I don't I don't know any of that that stuff. Yeah. So like what's what's your What's your take on like the, the similarities or differences or whatever there? For, for me, one of the things I, I'll tell people is learning, you know, offensive security techniques will help you as a SOC analyst because you're able to better understand malicious traffic and attacks. So I never did work as a SOC analyst because I started out as a sysadmin, did that for six years, did network security from like January 2004 to like August of 2005, then moved into application security. So we'll have people come in and talk about being sock analysts and stuff. So I really don't have any expertise in that area. Yeah, but you know people, right? So like, yeah. so, so that's good. I mean, so, so you kind of hit. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say like, there's so much. I remember when I started when I was like 23 or 22 or whatever, and people were like, "You got to network." Like, you just there's yeah. so much in this industry that's just about who you know and and what what they yeah, know, maybe. and then who you who they can connect you with. And I almost thought it was like kind of silly and, and overspoken at the time, not knowing anything. I mean, I was right out of college, but then you really do find out like how small the community is, right? Definitely. And especially I mean, now that we're all virtual. So you, you all down there have like one of the best InfoSec communities. I mean, I think we yes. argue that everybody's <laughs> metropolitan city, like has like a great, you know what I mean? But like knowing the few people that I know, you know, that down that way, or it's like in Dallas would be like, uh, you know, one of the B sides, like I, like I compare it to like the, in my head, I compare it to like the, um, you know, besides Las Vegas, like one of the ones everybody kind of wants to go to, like, you know, almost like a yeah. schmoo con, like, uh, uh, you know, that. Yeah, we've got one of the, I would, you know, we've got one of the best communities. And one of the things is, <clears throat> you know, some places may have their local DEF CON group that's really awesome. But we've got, you know, we've got a local DEF CON group, DC 214. We had Dallas Hackers Association, which has been going since like June 2013. I mean, it was kind of one of the motivators for me to start Pwn School, just seeing what happened with that. You know, Tinkersec, he came out of that, that community. You know, whenever I met Tinker in 2013, he was a technical recruiter. And then he got started as a SOC analyst. He studied, became a SOC analyst, and then moved into the pen testing. And there's been some people, you know, uh, Litmoose, if you ever see, follow her on Twitter, she's, yep. you know, a, very much a ninja in the DFIR space. You know, she came out of this community. So, and we have like an o local OWASP group. We have Hack Fort Worth. We have Fort Worth ISSA. We have a Dallas ISSA. I mean, and whenever things are non-pandemic state, there's usually two things going on per week, if not more than that. So there's at least two, sometimes three things going on per week. So, I mean, we've got, I mean, as far as like hacker 
type of meetups, you know, Pwn School has that kind of uh, flavor to it as well as Dallas Hackers, Hack Fort Worth, DC 2 and 4. We've got like a, a 2600 club. And so, I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Oh, I can't wait for real things again. <laughs> yeah, I know. So if you guys ever get to make it down here <laughs> oh, yeah. and things are, are good again, come the first the first of the month because the first Wednesday is when they have Dallas Hackers Association. It's at this place called Family Karaoke. It's a, a Korean karaoke bar. Nice. They get really great Korean food. Oh. And it's a and so they got this big stage and there's like hundreds of people. When the very first DHA was in like June of 2013, there's like maybe 20 something people that showed up and they would do fire talks. And so it evolved to, to where it's at family karaoke that there's actually fire talks. There's a lockpick village in the back, a CTF. And then for a while, someone was doing like one of these uh, beginner groups the, uh, where they teach a crypto party. Yeah, there was a crypto party that was going on inside for a while. And it's, it's like a mini really, Epcon, like at like an, it's like a mini con. Like you're saying, this happens monthly. Monthly, yeah. Wow. Due to the, the pandemic, idea. it's not going on, but that Obviously, was what was right. going on for months, and it, it was like once they moved to karaoke, it kept growing because what really helped when it started out, Wirefall was the founder, and so he had to travel a lot with consulting, so he needed a co-host, so he had Tinker to be the co-host. So in case he was out of town, it would still go on, and Tinker, you know, me and you guys just you just get it, if you've ever witnessed him like on Twitter, that's just a small glimpse into like him and whiskey neon. They're funny. One of the funniest moments one time, there's this one guy, Woody, he's in his seventies. He may be close to 80 now, but he's, he, he's learned Python since he's been going there. He used to bring these old computers in some really old crap. It's older. Most of the people that go to, <laughs> to DHA and that was his demo each month. And one night Woody was doing a demo and someone called him a spam call on the stage and uh, Whiskey took his phone, or, or, or I'm trying to remember, or it was Tinker, and it was on the phone with the spammer, or maybe someone trying to social engineer him or something, and Whiskey was pretending to be the kid, and Tinker was pretending to be an a, a, uh, abusive dad in the background, <gasps> yelling at him, telling him to get off that phone, and all this stuff live on stage. <laughs> yeah, Tim Medine lives in the area. Tim Medine's come in sometimes, the SANS instructor. The first time he came in, he told a story about one of the IOT stuff that Sands was getting into. They had them to go out and buy all these Bluetooth devices. He got this Bluetooth enabled doll and they were playing music through it, hacked it, figure out how to, to make it say different things and play music through it. So it's uh, pretty crazy. Sometimes Jason street comes through and yeah, so it's a lot time. of fun. If you're yeah, ever in the area, when it's going, you got to check it out. I'm going to have to make a trip down there. I would like to, I mean, the gear and the, a lot of us are now remote working. And I'm remote forever, no matter what, you know, uh, I look forward to like traveling and stay an extra couple of days, wherever I am, if I have to travel for a talk or something somewhere and then to stay and hang out with the, hopefully the community that's there and going on. I mean, we all hope that's on the horizon. It feels like, and can only so hope close. so close, so close, so selfishly, you know, I mean, we're, we're hitting that near that part, but I have a few more like thoughts and questions. Okay. Selfishly opinion of, uh, since you teach and you do this stuff, and, and both David and I teach. And I think I'm hitting that point, you know, hopefully none of my students will listen this far, but then maybe they will, <laughs> is that I'm losing that drive to teach, right? That desire, right? I've been doing it. I think I've been teaching every semester and I've taught at a comfort conferences only since like 2016, but you know, every semester and like, you know, and at this point in time, I'm almost losing, you know, 
the so what of it, right? Like when you do a conference talk, like why do why why do I care anymore, right? Like I feel like students don't care as much as they once did. What do you do to keep yourself motivated? What's your driving uh, factor in it? You know. Yeah, it's interesting you bring this up because this is my last semester at Dallas College, and what's happened was when I first started teaching the class, there was two ways to graduate with your cybersecurity degree from Dallas College. One was an internship, which I'm really sad that that went away because, you know, internships, that experience you get makes it so much easier to get a job. Yep. And without oh. that, it's really tough. <laughs> Given the, uh, I'm sorry, just, just to jump in here, like yeah. the, the, the meme life of the, you know, the, the junior uh, developer, junior analyst requirements. And how they're like, oh yeah, you need three to five years of relevant experience. Like, okay. The best, real quick, the best one I've seen is like three to five years of a programming language that hasn't existed more than like two years yeah. or something like I've seen before. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, no, internships are clutch and they're just, you yeah. know, how, how do you intern right now? So, so that went away. And so the only way to graduate now is going through my class. And so when I started this class, my wife was actually getting, going through the digital forensics program there in 2017, the fall of 2017. And they said, we're going to start offering ethical hacking next semester if we can find an instructor. And my wife says, hey, my husband's a pen tester. He might be interested. And so uh, her teacher, who ended up being my supervisor, and now he's my one of my coworkers at INE, I referred him there. But he kind of blew her off. He didn't take it serious. And I can kind of understand but because you know how it goes. Someone says their husband can do this or that. And you just can't, everyone's husband is usually awesome. Regardless, <laughs> you know, I know this from powerlifting and stuff. My husband's no, like it, twice as big as you, or he can right. lift twice as much. You just hear this stuff. sounds like this sounds like you're in like third or fourth grade again. Like, yeah, my dad, yeah, my dad, he, your dad, he chopped down trees with his bare hands. <laughs> my dad's ox is blue, and his name is Babe. <laughs> so she thought was, she she felt like she's kind of being blown off. So I sent him my resume and I had like a little short intro, telling what I do and all this, my industry experience and certs. And about five minutes later, he responded back, I want to work with you. So, so I went to work there teaching. And uh, so my class was a way to graduate. Now it's the only way to graduate. And so I asked, offered, I wanted this class to be continued ed because there's a lot of people in the community that went to Dallas, Hack, Dallas Hackers Association, different meetups, they wanted to become pen testers. So I knew there'd be a need there, you know, because there's a lot of these colleges need to offer stuff as continuing ed, because if you got like Palo Alto wow. firewall classes, you're going to get a lot of students because people need that skill. But the thing I found is once the internship opportunity went away, you know, there wasn't as many people interested in the class and what people, I can't teach people that aren't interested. Yeah. And so uh-huh. I've decided, you know, I gave my notice back like probably back in January or February, because I'm just really kind of done with it. My day job now I've pivoted more to doing education, doing educational content for I and E. So I, I have to be teaching people that want to learn. And so what I've done in place of that, because I like doing workshops at conferences. So now I'm going to stream on Tuesday nights instead, do stuff related to pen testing and just do it for free. I'd rather teach people for free than get paid to teach people that aren't interested. Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback that, like, I just feel like that's what's it's come to for me. It's like, I've trimmed down my one class, both classes used to be 16 weeks down to eight weeks. And now I'm not even teaching the one in the fall anymore. I'm just teaching this one in the spring. And, and like, I teach, I start teaching tomorrow. And it's like, based on like what I've already experienced the last like year and a half, like it's like students just don't care anymore. They're just not interested. Yeah. Like you it's, might have, you have those diamond in the rough students. You yeah. have those, th- you know, you have 15 students, you have those three to four students who just love the shit and they can't yeah. get enough of it. And they're like, 
you see their homework and you can tell like they didn't copy from anybody. They like really took yeah. their time and really put their thought process into it. And you're, and then, and then, but the rest of them, you're just like, they don't care. They're just here to get this, the, the diploma and call yep. it. Day, uh -huh. you know? My certification goes through this <laughs> class and I just need to exist and breathe and I can make it. It's the, it's very demotivating. Yeah, right. So, is. I mean, I, I, I feel you guys on, you know, What's I'm, sad. I'm glad that you can find something that like you can give back to still. And, and, you know, it's not a paper experience. Yeah. Teaching has been a great thing. It opened up, you know, that's my way of giving, you know, to, you know, outside of doing that, like raising money for instant lives foundation, just bringing like, you know, awareness to that people donating, doing t-shirt fundraisers, that sort of stuff. I could do that, but charity work where you're just kind of going places and building houses and, and doing different volunteer stuff like that don't really work for me. If I find something I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about pen testing and offensive security. So teaching people that that's good. And so teaching really changed, really changed things for me because once, you know, I'd never thought in 2018 when I started teaching at the college that I'd ever take like a full-time teaching job, because a lot of it was, you know, I like money and I'm not going to take a pay cut yeah. to teach and I'm making, you know, just as good you know, I got, you know, a raise over my technical job to move into to teaching. So that's bananas. That means you're good at I mean that's that means that you're really truly good at what you do. Uh -huh. People see that, right? Like yeah, that's my I guess it's really my passion and and you know, connecting with people. I one of the things that that's been that's worked for me a lot through my life it's easy for me to get along with people, you know, and so that just kind of helps so to, you know, getting to connect with people and and really caring and wanting to help people learn. So that's one of the things now, just getting away from teaching people that don't care to teaching the people that do care. Cause like at I&E, I did a live boot camp last week. And, you know, and the thing about that type of training, there's only people in there that are doing it because they're not getting a degree for it. They're there because they want to be. And that's a lot of fun. And it really saddens me to see, you know, you guys are teaching your classes and there's people out in the world that would love to be in your class. They would give 100%. you to be in your class. Yeah. 100%. But then some of these spoiled americans are in there they're just taking up space and your time and it's really sad when there's other people that would give anything to be there in their place yeah so i hope i'm not intruding on any like book material or like i, I don't want to take any money out of your uh, yeah. your royalty pockets but can you give us like your number one like pen tester advice tip or yeah. something that you would you would consider very important yeah, or something honestly, even you wish you knew you you started in the beginning. Oh, you learned that's right. a good one. Yeah. What do you wish you knew? Like See, that you yeah. like focused on X Y Z in the beginning, it would have helped you better now. But you did. Yeah, tried to get all those end map switches memorized, and you know. <laughs> I really <laughs> wished I would have got into you know doing pen test education back before I moved. You know, back when I first got it into security, I wish I'd been more serious about that. That would have had me a little more prepared. Because when I got my first pen testing job, I got laid off and I went to work for Verizon consulting as a pen tester. Part of the things that got me was my passion about technology because I had a home lab. You know, I taught myself web, you know, uh, web design, not development, but web design. So I had a server at home that was running Red Hat Linux and Apache web server. And I had like DNS set up on it. Like I had the MX records for mail transfer. So I learned all this stuff after hours. And when I was talking to this manager, it just so happens his, his way of us, for us learning, and he was never telling us to take pen testing classes or hacking classes. He said, build something. And so he kind of clicked and saw, this is what this guy's doing. And he gave me a chance. So I really would have liked to have learned, started learning some of those techniques and stuff earlier on. You know, I did take like a CEH course and then Fallonstone's ultimate hacking course, but I really didn't take oh, it class. seriously. I wished I really would have uh, 
you know, worked on that a little bit more continuously. Cause then when I moved over into pen testing, I would have been, you know, took off a little more up to speed starting out. I actually found that disc recently found stone ultimate web hacking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like the old school one, like a CD. Yeah. I found it. Yeah, I just had, I, I like just took the ultimate hacking, but yeah, when I took it, they'd just been acquired by McAfee. They'd just been acquired. Yeah. So when I was in grad school, actually uh, where I teach now, they had probably around the same time, two of the guys that wrote the ultimate hacking book and were part of the original founders of Foundstone came in and taught like an instant response and hacking, like a hacking exposed class, basically like a book version of it. It was awesome. These guys were so cool. It was like, it was three weekends in a row, Saturday and Sunday for like six hours. Cause they would only, cause they had like, they were just teaching at NYU too, and still had their day jobs at Foundstone. They were trying to tie up before they made all their money. Yeah, uh, but like they were, it was just a, a great apply. It almost feels like 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 what how you teach because I can I can feel the passion from you, and that's what these guys brought to the table. It was awesome experience from that. Like, and that was like at the cusp. This is like two thousand seven, two thousand eight okay. time frame. So 2004 was about when yeah, two thousand four I believe when I took the ultimate hacking class but yeah it's interesting yeah one of the things about my class i did have students do a pen testing class so they had to do a pen test and write a report so that was a good experience uh -huh. but yeah it's interesting go back and just google those guys look and see where those guys that were at foundstone are now i mean they've they're in like some i was looking a while back just kind of you know seeing where they are now and they've started some pretty big other uh consulting companies so it's kind of crazy to see what these guys look are it up in. Because one of the teachers I had was Chris Procise, which is one of the authors of the original Ultimate Hacking or Hacking Exposed book. Mm -hmm. Will Chang was one of them. And I know they were two of the eight founders of Foundstone or something like that. Yeah. Joel Scambry, I think, was another one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, those are some of my first books. So I had the Hacking Exposed books and I had Ed Scotus's Hack and Counter Hack. Yep. Because it came with a CD and some, some like a live CD to hack on and stuff. So <laughs> the fun days. <laughs> Yeah, fun <laughs> before you had DigitalOcean droplets and AWS. Yeah, <laughs> you had to use your own servers to do it. It was a lot stuff. simpler, but you know, there's a lot of things that automate things a little bit more now. But it was a lot simpler. Oh yeah. One of one of my generic can questions, and I mean, I know we're running, we're we're running along again. It, it happens every time because we talked about wrestling. You'll forever be known as Phil Wiley, the man who took down Cactus Jack, That's as far right. as I know. <laughs> but like, what what was your background? Are you are you you not a, a pen tester by trade? Like what, what did you get into uh, education wise growing up or um, in your early career? So when I was in high school, cause I graduated like in 84. So we did have some computer classes in school. We had some IBM computers. This is like, you know, this is probably IBM 8088s or something like that or before that. And probably didn't even have hard drives. I'm pretty sure that you had to probably put the disc in with the operating system. And they did have some of the, the max and the art class but you know it's really only the smart kids that were taking the computer classes and and when i graduated i didn't know what i was gonna do that's why i ended up going to wrestling because i was a power lifter and my friends said you should be a wrestler so i ended up getting into autocad and then found out about sysadmin work because when i was going through cad school man I, w I didn't have any you know computer skills i didn't know what i was doing and i started picking that up and i got on the job for places that were small architect firms or different engineering firms they didn't have IT. So I figured out how to fix some of those things. And I thought this is fun. So I taught myself how to build computers and I took an, a Novell Netware certification course, Ooh. then got a got on a Novell Netware 411 Windows 95 rollout. 
I love this because like we've talked to so many people who just weren't like, oh yeah, I took computer science in college and here I am. It's like, oh yeah, I used to wrestle. <laughs> now you're now you're in that group. Like, yeah, I used to be a wrestler and then I took CAD classes and now I got really good at it. And uh, you know, just just like it's the opportunity, sh- right? Yeah. It's the opportunity you make for yourself. You got to work your own Definitely. hustle. Everyone, I mean, it's you know, I know that some people have more challenges than others, but don't let yourself be the barrier get out there and try things i mean that's just like when i went back to school and get my degree i got a certification for i got uh most of my cert most of my degree was because i had an mcse ccna cne cissp so all pretty much my technical part of my degree was knocked out except for a microsoft access class and the other stuff was great because my writing skills in high school i did just enough to get by so like my English composition class and speech classes were the two most valuable classes I took over oh, sure. in college. So that, yeah. that was helpful, but yeah, I thought I, that they were a waste of time classes. I'm sorry, Kyle. I thought that like yeah. my speech class was just like, like, I know how to talk to people. No, you don't. It's like, nah, well, hold on a second, son. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I would have paid. Like I remember writing still like writing still this day. I still get anxiety from seventh grade writing when my teacher would like redline everything. But, like it makes you like, it makes you take like another step at stuff. Like, cause you, cause even switching jobs that I did a few months ago and writing like documents now and stuff, you're just like, man, I wish I could just like tell you what I did and not have to write it all down. Right. Yeah. Like, and it's just trying to drive home. It's like, you know, and then, you know, we do a peer review process and it's just like, man, yeah, I can see why they don't get what I just wrote there because like, it was clear to me when I wrote it, but now I understand when someone else reads it, you're like, that's not very clear. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> you know, so, but, uh, so good. But uh, Philip, I, uh, we're at that magic point in time where we could go on for three, four or five hours. Cause, uh, I feel your energy and it's, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's very positive and I, I hopefully we get to meet each other in person someday. Yeah. I'd love that. That's uh, so but, good. But thanks like, for being on. I really appreciate I like it. Um, you, I, I, I'll obviously tag it in the show notes, but, uh, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, the best way is Twitter or LinkedIn. Great. I'll put, make sure I put those in the show notes for all yep. the listeners out there. So take a look at the show notes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't got it, David. Uh, I have nothing else to say. I really like this. This was, yeah. I mean, we've, we've been, uh, we danced around our date here for a couple of weeks because of some schedule cancellations and uh, I don't, we haven't really had a pod in, the, in probably about two or three weeks. So this yeah, was, this was very refreshing, really nice to see people. It is. And I can't wait to like high five and fist bump and like, yeah. I hope to do this stuff like even like when we go places like do the podcast and maybe during a you know a Wednesday during like the Dallas hack you know you guys have yeah. or where oh we're how cool in, would that be we're out in Vegas and like have like one where we Summer pull camp. yeah have oh, one yeah. there and, and I, yeah. I really want to pull like my goal is like you know if you know that all goes for this year if not even next year is like you know as we kind of keep the podcast rolling is this like have a party and bring everybody in and like have like everybody that was been on the podcast, meet each other. And that even though that everybody probably knows each other in some way, cause that's how I've get other people yeah. on the podcast is because everybody <laughs> else. Um, I would love the road show broadcast from Dallas. I would love the road show. That'd be how cool would general. that be? Like, just like to go down there. <laughs> like one like, month. Pittsburgh, we all know Pittsburgh, man. We all like, we live here. Like I, yeah. I, let's go down to Dallas. Let's check out what they got going on. Spend a week down there. Do like, 30 podcasts i could i could probably get away with like two nights (laughs) two nights (laughs) i'm dying for like a month though so you know let's figure it out we'll we'll find happy thanks again philip really appreciate it 
And as we had every podcast, uh, was it stay? Th- I, I even forget stay thirsty, everybody. Yeah, and yeah, stay thirsty. <laughs> Thank you. 